And so it's getting companies to realize that, that there's more to who we are. And subtitle of the book is Unlock the Person Within the Professional. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Where Accountants Go, the Accounting Careers Podcast. I'm Mark Goldman, a CPA and your host for this show. Well, for this week's episode, we have one of the funniest people, if not the funniest person in accounting joining us. I know that's an odd description for a guest, but if you've ever heard John speak before, you know what I'm talking about. John Garrett is joining us for a return visit this time, though, to talk about a few new developments since his last interview with us. John has finished and published his book, What's Your And?, which is a phenomenal read. When we first had him on the show a while back, he mentioned working on it, so I've been looking forward to this for a while, and now it's here. And I realize I'm going a little overboard, perhaps, in my enthusiasm for the book, but it truly is a great work of art. If you've heard John's own podcast by the same name, What's Your And?, then you know he's all about letting your true self shine through in terms of being open about hobbies and outside of work interest. And this book is directly in line with that. But what I most appreciate about the book is that it's more than just a collection of stories. He sprinkles in the stories throughout the book, but it's really a book about how more openness about our hobbies and and outside interests can lead to a more productive and, frankly, simply a happier workplace. He really did a good job on this. I definitely picked some insights up from What's Your And. I really enjoyed reading it. And also, though, in this episode, of course, we're going to revisit how John transformed from an accountant, like we all start out to be, into a professional speaker and workplace consultant through his comedy. John has a very interesting story. If you do enjoy and learn something from this episode, I know I mention this a lot, but please share it out. That's how we gain new listeners, and that just frankly makes it even more fun to produce the show. We really appreciate it when people share out the program. And if John's book sounds interesting to you, make sure you check that out on Amazon as well. It's an easy read, but it's much deeper than you would think. I think you'll really enjoy it. This is also generally where I may mention my own books, but I think I'll skip that for this week. I want all the attention to be on John. He really did a great job on this book, What's Your And? Well, with that, let's go ahead and get started with the actual interview with John. Here's John Garrett. Hey, John, welcome back. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for having me back. This is awesome. I'm excited. Same here, same here. This is going to be fun. Well, for the audience, I am excited to have a very well-known guest back on the show, John Garrett. And if you haven't heard of John before, frankly, I'm a little surprised, but you're in for a treat. John is an accountant turned comedian. And I should say a successful comedian because there's probably a few of us that tried that. It didn't work out too well. But John's a very well-known speaker. (laughs) He hosts his own podcast, and he even got some formal recognition last year as one of the most influential people in accounting. Ask him back on the show as well, because now he's a published author. His first book has just been released, and that makes for definitely a unique guest for us. I think we're going to have a lot of fun with this. John, seriously, thank you so much for coming back on the show. No, you're the one who picked up and answered. So thank you, man. Thank you. No, this is going to be great. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, it has been about two years since you were last on the program, and I'm not sure everyone heard that episode back then because obviously listeners trickle in, that kind of thing. So let's start at the beginning. 
we know that you do something a lot different now, but you really did start as an accountant. So how did you initially decide to pursue accounting in the first place? Tell us about those early years. Yeah, sure. That was never an idea. Growing up, all through high school even, was all engineering. I was going to be an engineer, all that. And then I went to the University of Notre Dame from a very small public high school outside of St. Louis on the Illinois side. And at Notre Dame, there were kids that had AP credit coming out of high school, and I only knew AP as a football pole. I didn't even know that that was a thing. So I'm in these classes where that have curved grades, and most of the kids, this is a review. And for me, I'm seeing physics for the first time and seeing some of the chemistry stuff for the first time. But physics is the thing that did me in, which apparently is pretty important for engineering. So, uh, so yes, I was just really bad at it tried as hard as I could and just couldn't make it work. And so then went over, switched to business, my second, actually for my sophomore year, switched to business. And then in there, your sophomore year, you take a little bit of accounting, a little bit of finance, a little bit of what was MIS at the time, management information systems, and then a little bit of marketing. And then at the end of your sophomore year, you pick which one of those you're going to go into. And so I chose accounting because my GPA was pretty low, thanks to engineering. And you could still get a really good job coming out of Notre Dame with like a 3.0, you know, and I ended up having a 3.1 by the time I graduated. And yeah, so that's how I went into accounting. Plus, choosing accounting wasn't actually choosing an end goal because if you choose accounting as your major, you can do accounting, but you can also then go do finance. You can then go do marketing. You can then go do management. But if you choose one of those other ones, you can't go to accounting. So it's kind of like, oh, so if I choose this one, I still have all the options. And they're like, yes. And I was like, well, then let's do that one because I just didn't want to grow up, I guess, and make a choice. So yeah, but I mean, I think accounting is a great major to have because at the end of the day, it all comes down to dollars, no matter what, and the numbers. So having that foundation is great when I never looked back. So that's how I got into it. Wow. You must have listened to some of our shows in the past. I talk about that all the time. If you start an accounting, you can do almost anything, but not oh, necessarily, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah, with the yeah. other major. Yeah, but that's exactly it. I just didn't want to make a grow-up decision. And so I was like, all right, well, if I pick accounting, I, I'm not actually picking. So I'm like, sweet, let's do that. <laughs> like, so yeah, there you go. I think engineers are the only people that are like more serious than accountants. I can't imagine you trying to go into engineering. That just, I either forgot that or didn't know it. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, wow. I mean, well, I remember, yeah, because uh, my freshman year in one of our classes, we had to use this computer program to design a roller coaster. And of course, mine like flew off the track, but it was awesome, you know, <laughs> but, you know like, <laughs> it would have ran once and then we're going to have to shut this one down. All right. Well, it looks pretty awesome. So there's that. Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> so you did work in accounting for a few years, several years, did oh, yeah. different things before going into comedy full time. So what did you do exactly? What areas of yeah. accounting did you work in? Yeah. So when I graduated, I was fortunate enough, I got a position with Pricewaterhouse. And then over the summer, they merged to be Pricewaterhouse Coopers. So I only know Pricewaterhouse Coopers. 
even though I was hired PW. And it was a really cool program that they had at the time. There were 100 of us nationwide that were selected to be, and they called it the Business Advisory Services Development Program, so the BASDP program. So what we did is, and we were the first year, we were the guinea pigs, and I only think they did it a couple of years. What we did is every three to six months, we would rotate through the different service lines. So you would do three to six months internal audit, three to six months M&A work, three to six months like computer controls, three to six months external audit, which I made three weeks because I was like, I can't do this. And then um, I feel like there was something else. So yeah, so uh, about five or six different rotations. And then at the end of two years, you're promoted to senior as well as you and the firm mutually agree upon which track is best for you for moving forward. And so that was awesome and really great because I got to learn a lot more of the advisory services. And that's why I could not do audit for, I mean, yeah, it was literally one three-week project. And I was like, I got to get out of here. Like, I can't do this. Like, I can't bust people. Like, that's not my thing. There's a woman who's been working this job longer than I've been alive. And I'm supposed to write her up. Like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> this isn't even an issue. Like, this is stupid. And so I'm more forward thinking, how do we make the business run better? How do we take care of inefficiencies? If you're merging companies, what's the best way to do that? Personnel-wise, logistics-wise, just how do you make a company run better using my accounting knowledge, I guess. So that's what I enjoyed a lot more. So then at the end of the two years, was recruited to be on PwC's largest financial services client for their internal audit team for First Star Bank, which was in Milwaukee, and later became U.S. Bank. Yeah, that was pretty much my PwC days. And uh, yeah, started in St. Louis, then moved to Milwaukee. And yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, and all the people I worked with and all the clients that I worked with, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I mean, outside of those three weeks of audit, but <laughs> just, but yeah, but never touch tax. I don't even know how taxes work. I never even went to that floor. Like, I don't know if tax people even go home. I think they just sleep there. I'm not even sure, but like, it's just, that's definitely not my thing, which is super <laughs> fun around, you know, March and early April when everyone's got a tax question for you and you're like, uh, yeah, I don't do that. So my favorite answer is, uh, well, your guess is as good as mine. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, whatever. So, uh, so yeah. Just imagine someone stopping one of your comedy routines. Hold on. Hey, I've got a tax question. You know? So. Yeah, or just on an airplane, you know? And that's the thing that's oh, hilarious gosh. is, like, when you're on an airplane and people are like, oh, so, you know, what do you do? And I don't really like to talk to people on airplanes a whole lot. And so they'll be like, you know, if I say, oh, I'm a speaker and a comedian, then it's, oh, let me tell you who my favorite comedian is. And I'll be like, oh, let me guess, not John Garrett. Please go on. And then, you know, ah. but if they ask me, what do you do? And I say, I'm an accountant. They put on their Bose noise-canceling headphones. There's not even a follow-up question. They're like, all right, we're done. <laughs> it's like, there you go, you know, because no one really cares what your job is. I mean, it's not fascinating, oh my gosh. which is, yeah. I know, obviously, you've worked in industry a little bit as well, but yeah, I'm curious, mm-hmm. during those years, you're your PwC, and then you're at industry, you know, you started doing comedy, but when you were sitting in the desk or doing the accounting work, did you just sort of feel like, this isn't me, or was no. it more that, no, that, no, okay, okay, so you didn't Yeah, I mean, I, it, like because I brought, no, no, I brought me to the job, so, I mean, that's the thing, is I, I think we tell ourselves so much of I have to be this thing or this person or 
some, a shell of myself to be successful. So as if there's only one type of successful accountant or one type of successful engineer, architect, banker, insurance, like consultant, you name it. There isn't. There are thousands of different successful accountants. And so be you. You're the manager. You're the partner. You're the CFO. You're the senior analyst. Done. Like you don't have to pretend to be what you thought a manager is supposed to be because you watched a TV show when you were a kid. And no, you're the manager. Be you. And so like I brought me to work. I mean, you know, and, and as long as like in the book, I define professionalism is pretty vague. So I think it's more important to define unprofessional. And so everything's fair game up until you inhibit someone else's ability to do their job. And trust me, my relatability and sense of humor and ability to diffuse tense situations with some humor definitely made me a better auditor and definitely made me a better accountant and a better team member. So bringing that to work made me a better professional. Had I left that outside, I would not have been as good as what I was. You know, and I had a really strong resume. It's not like I was just mailing it in and just whatever. You know, I mean, one of the first promoted at PwC and then bounced to industry, worked in pharma, then worked for a startup. It's not like I was struggling, I guess, to say the least. Well, I didn't Um, didn't know if there was sort of an uncomfortable feeling like, you know, I know I can do this, but it just doesn't seem to be me or if you just sort of had two loves kind of thing. So, okay. No, no, yeah. I mean, and I think that's important. Like people have other interests and to ask people to forget about those other interests or only act like you're interested in them after 5 p.m. when you leave the office. It's unhealthy (laughs) at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. It's not genuine, not being your real self. Right. Yeah. So how did you get into comedy? Yeah. So I was for PwC. We had a training for the computer controls group. It was called OSRM was the acronym. And I don't even know what that stands for now. But yeah, so we had a training for like three or four weeks in LA, in Pasadena. And and because we would join the trainings of all the new hires that are in that group. And so we were there and there were four or five of us that would rent a car from the Doubletree in Pasadena. And on Thursdays, whose line is it anyway was super popular at the time and they would shoot in studio but then after they shot they would come to the improv on melrose comedy club and they would do a 45 minute uncensored show in the middle of stand-up comedians so it's like a three-hour show so we would go down and we would get there early and we would watch the whole thing and yeah it was just awesome just sitting in the crowd with all these people and then Drew Carey's there and Brad Sherwood and Colin Mockery and Ryan Stiles and then Adam Sandler dropped in one night and then other comedians that we had seen on like Premium Blend on Comedy Central back in the day. And so, yeah, it was great. But I was sitting there and not all the stand-ups were hilarious because when you watch it on TV, they dub in laughter or whatever. And I didn't know that. And I was like, oh, well, look at that. I could be as not funny as that guy. And like, this is Hollywood. And so, yeah. So when I went, and of course my friends were encouraging, Hey, you should totally do this. And I was like, all right, well. And so I went home and spent about three or four weeks with a notepad that I swiped from the supply closet at work and legal pad, just writing down what things that I think are funny, like clean observational type stuff. And yeah, went to the funny bone in Westport, St. Louis for my first open mic. And it actually went really well. I mean, it was crazy. The second time I went back the next week, not as well, 
because I found out that strangers don't go along for tangents. So your friends will hang in there, but strangers are like, just get to the laugh, just go. So yeah. And then I was just hooked and it was just a fun hobby to have. It's a creative outlet and something to exercise the brain and a challenge. And that's how I looked at it. So yeah, that's how I got into it. And then just periodically made time to do it. Did some uh, comedy sports, which is more improv short form. Yeah. And then decided that stand-up's more my thing and then just, yeah, did it for fun. At what point did you decide I'm comfortable enough to quit my full-time job? <laughs> or maybe right. My yeah. Job. I'm not sure. I'm st- I mean, I ever got there, Mark. I'm still not there. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> sure if I'm comfortable with that decision. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's scary out here. It's super scary. It's like being in outer space, but without a mask where you're like, I, I don't even know. But yeah, it's hard. And one thing that I truly advocate and tell everyone is do not quit your job to follow your passion. Like, I know I did, but do not. And because two reasons. One, it's wicked hard and you don't have a steady paycheck or benefits or even know where to go because there's no career path. And number two is you're probably not that great at it. That's why it's a hobby. Keep it a hobby. I mean, to make a living at it is really hard. And then it goes from fun to, oh man, I have to do this now because I have to eat and pay my mortgage. It's really hard. And if a stranger like me can tell you to not do that and then you don't, then you never would have made it because it is so hard. Every single day I get punched in the face. So it's funny when I talk to people that are looking for jobs. And they're like, yeah, you know, I emailed them and they just never got back to me. I'm like, that's me a hundred times a day. So like when you're looking for, like I'm looking for jobs all the time. And you know, like most people look for a job and then they get it and then they're fine. (laughs) It's like, no, no, I'm always having to look for jobs. It's hard. It's very hard out here for sure. But I realized that the leap was kind of made, the decision was sort of made for me because my last job, I was working at a hospital network and like five huge hospitals all over Indiana and consolidating their financials and stuff like that. And we had a new manager come in from the outside and he and I did not get along because he liked to hover. So he would like walk around and make sure that you're working and all this. Well, I turn into a five-year-old. So if you're going to treat me like a five-year-old, I'm going to be a five-year-old. So I had ESPN's website minimized on my computer. And when I would see him start to do his rounds, I would bring it up on my screen. So every single time he walked by my cube, I had ESPN's website up every time. Like never once was I doing work when he saw me. And yet I always got my work done. It was always done right. It was always done early, like top notch. Yet every time he walked by, he would only see me reading ESPN and he lost his damn mind. And so we just agreed to Maybe I should just move on. So I was going to get a different job anyway. Luckily, I had come across some friends of mine, like Jimmy Brogan, who wrote for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno for 10 years. And then Wayne Cotter, he was an IBM guy who left to do stand-up, hosted A&E's evening at the Improv. And I was talking to him, and he's like, well, why don't you give it a shot and give it six months? And then worst case scenario, you Notre Dame CPA, you can get a job. Like, don't worry about it. And I was like, well, can we three-way call my parents on this? Because that's going to be a weird conversation. <laughs> I mean, not that my parents needed their blessing, but it's just nice to loop them in on what's happening. 
But yeah, and so I just just made the leap. It's, it's almost like a rocket ship. You have to just get escape velocity. So you just have to run as fast as you can to outrun it. And I was really fortunate to catch some breaks and also be good to when you get those breaks that you can deliver. And then about six years ago is where I made that transition from comedy to speaking and really making a difference in people's cultures where they work and making events more engaging and something that people actually listen to the content instead of just bricks being thrown at your face to where you walk out being like, I don't even know what that was about because I wasn't even listening type of thing. You are a funny guy. I've seen you, know, obviously, as you know, I've seen you a couple times in person. Oh, well, thanks, uh, Mark. Doing your job, your gig, and you are genuinely hilarious. And original, well, thanks, man. Of course, of course. So you know, I'm glad you mentioned the transition part because I was curious about that, and I figured it was into speaking. Is that part of the – I noticed you've defined yourself as a catalyst for culture change from what I read yeah. online. Is that part yeah. of that? And I guess if so, tell us what you're trying to change exactly. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> the catalyst, you still have to do the work yourself. It's just you throw me in and then good stuff happens sort of a thing. I had somebody in New Mexico refer to me as the cilantro. Like, we're the dish, but without the cilantro, it's nothing. And I was like, I think that's a compliment. I'm not sure. The green chili? All right, here we go. Yeah, so, I mean, basically, it's getting people to think differently about themselves, but more importantly, about the talent that's around them. There's a huge untapped well of talent from people developing skills from their outside of work, hobbies, and interests. And we don't really know what those are and definitely don't utilize them in the best way. If somebody really likes to do community theater and you have a presentation to give, well, they should be the one giving the presentation. But far too often it's, well, we'll pick who's been here longest. Well, that person loves jigsaw puzzles and should never be in front of an audience ever. So they're stressed and frustrated and they're terrible at it. So then they're angry. The community theater person's angry that they didn't get picked. And then the company looks stupid because you just did a presentation with somebody that likes to do puzzles. And it's just like, that's not their skill set. And so it's really just getting people to see that the core of your organization, I call it culture core, is your company, your firm is made up of people, but those people are made up of passions. So like if I take a finance department out of a company and I take everyone out and I replace them using your agency, Mark, to get new people in. And then we hire all new people that have the same degrees and same letters after their name. The work gets done the same, but it's a totally different department. And it's not because of the technical skills. It's because of their personalities and their outside of work interests. And so it's getting companies to realize that there's more to who we are. And the subtitle of the book is Unlock the Person Within the Professional. I mean, there's a multidimensional person within there that has so many different aspects to them. And most work settings only care about the one part of you, the work side, the technical skills. And yet that's what, 10 or 15% of who you are as a person. And it's like, man, there's all this other stuff that's amazing. And it creates better connections. It makes you a better professional. Attracting and retaining talent, it's huge. If you genuinely care about me as a person, as opposed to just me as a senior associate, it just shows you care. Yes, yes. So when I interviewed you two years ago, you hinted at a book. And I'm so happy for you. 
<laughs> oh, thanks, man. Yeah. Well, you know, it's hard to write a book, man. It's really hard, it especially is. when it's like, these are my ideas and I'm just like opening up and being like, here it is. And it's also counter narrative to what a lot of people think. So you got to be kind of ginger around how you say it a little bit. Yes. It's a quality book. So tell us about the book, because I think some people are going to think, well, it's just a collection of podcast stories from your podcast. Oh, no, not at all. Tell us about the book. Yeah, no, thank you, man. Yeah, I mean, well, it's been five years of research, including interviewing people like yourself for the podcast. And then also just from speaking. I mean, the last two years alone, I've spoken to over 10,000 people. And so it's really just dialing in that message of what it is to build a better culture and to see that there's more to your people and there's more to you type of thing. And so it's 200 pages and they're mostly micro chapters. So it's very readable. Seems to be the feedback from people that's been out for a couple of weeks now. It's one of those things where, I mean, even in the very beginning of the book, it's, look, I get it. You're busy. So I'm not writing a book where every chapter is 30 pages and you turn the page and there's another giant wall of text coming at you. I look at that and I'm like, you know what? I'm not doing this. It's a cumbersome read. It's not an enjoyable experience. So many people have gotten back to me and been like, look, I am not a reader. And I read this whole thing and it's super conversational. It's casual tone. It's easy to read. But then there's a lot of substance in there as well with some data with some research from Duke University and Northwestern University that puzzle pieces in nicely with mine. And then my own research as well. And yeah, and then sprinkling in some quotes from 41 different podcast guests just to support what I'm saying. Hear it in their words. Here's a little quote from them type of thing. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Really proud of it. And it's been awesome just to see the feedback that we've gotten in just a couple of weeks of that and the Amazon reviews and what have you has been, been really awesome. It really is very well written. I'm reading through it, and it's one of those books that's easy to read. It's got good stories in it. You're reading about somebody enjoying cycling, and then you get into their story, and then you bring in some facts, in some cases statistics, from outside sources about how that makes the workplace better. And it's one of those books where you're like, I think I just accidentally learned something. And, right? You know, there you go, man. That's the um, greatest compliment ever. That's the greatest compliment ever. Yep. I'm too happy to have learned something here. So <laughs> right? because we've all been but, trained uh, that learning is painful, you know, as school's yeah. hard and not fun. And then CPE, good God, does anyone ever look forward to CPE? Like nobody. I mean, I don't even, people don't even pay attention. How do you get credit when you didn't even look up from your laptop the whole time that CPE was happening? I don't know how that happens, but anyway. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's like I accidentally learned something and I'm smiling like this is weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, There's probably plenty of places to get the book, but where's the best place for people to get the book? Where do you want to send people? Yeah, well, you go to whatsyourand.com and half the page is book stuff and the other half is podcast. So it's super easy. Whatsyourhand.com. Yeah, just go there and then it works. And then there's links there. You can get on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Bookshop. There's the Kindle version, ebook versions. Audible will be out probably early part next year. Yeah, it's all over the place, man. It's pretty awesome. What's your hand? Okay. So I feel funny asking comedian about the master plan, but I am sort of curious. So what's the next thing you'd like to do? 
if you thought about, is there another book someday or is it going deeper with the individual organization consulting and or making more people laugh? What are you yeah. looking to? Well, I mean, the ultimate goal is have a third visit on Where Accountants Go podcast. That's like the ultimate goal. So whatever I got to do to make that happen, I'm all for. But seriously, it's the consulting piece that goes with this. What I've found is that the message is simple, but not easy. So how do we implement this? And in in the last module of the book, the last third of the book are examples that I've seen in the real world. So you can use these, but I would encourage people to take those as an example and then make them your own. Because what works at one company won't work at another company or what works at one office of a firm, you go to another office of that same firm across the country and that's not going to work type of thing. So it's really just working with companies to how do we implement this? Because writing the book's great. Having people read the book is a huge step, but how do we implement this? How do we make a difference? How do we start to build cultures and how do we start to have what's your end be part of our normal conversations when people introduce themselves? Oh, I'm a senior financial analyst and I like to paint. Well, the conversation clearly is going straight to your painting because no one's going to ask you about being a senior. Oh, really? Senior financial analyst? What's your favorite font in Excel? Like no one asks that, you know, (laughs) it's just not a question. But painting, what do you paint? Like what? And just having those conversations, having those genuine relationships and attracting and retaining the best talent. That's really what it's all about. There you, go. there you go. I like wingdings, by the way, that are, or, or <laughs> right. Cause then even you don't know what it says. <laughs> like, oh, <Yeah>. oh <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sorry. I know comic sans is definitely a no. That one's a huge yeah. no. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, too funny. Too funny. Well, I can't let you off the hook and not ask you the final three questions that I ask every guest. So we probably better get to sure. that. We're starting to run close on time. First one's usually the easier one. From a career perspective, what's been your proudest moment? Yeah, well, probably, I mean, I guess writing this book, it's so hard to do. Well, I mean, to do well and to hear feedback like what you said is, I mean, it just means so much and makes all of those years, literally, of writing and editing totally worth it. So yeah, I mean, I'm super proud of the book. I really am. It's, I'm pretty hypercritical of things that I do because I want them to be really, really good. And I think that this is really good. So I'm proud of it. So yeah, that would be it. It, it was well done, really. Well, this may be hard for a comedian. I don't know. But second question, tell us about a lesson that you learned the hard way. And the more you can tell us about the situation, the better, because that's how our audience learns from these things. Sure. I guess I'd hate to go back to writing the book, but get out of your own way. I could not get out of my own way to write this book because I would start to write and I'd be like, well, who am I to tell somebody how to better run their company? Or who am I to tell somebody how, that there's more to who you are than just your job title? Or yeah, sure. That's how you get paid and that's how you pay the bills. But there's more to you. And like, who am I to do that? And then, you know, to write a book, like that just seems daunting. And, you know, smart people write books and like all this. And like, and so, you know, but now that it's here, it's like, you know, like this is good. And I wish that I had, I mean, part of me wishes that I had written it years ago, but then the other part of me realizes that it was meant to happen now because it's so much stronger now than had I written it three or four years ago type of a thing. But it would be the second book, I guess. So yeah, just get out of your own way and be you type of thing is really 
really what I would tell people, especially when it applies to the accounting profession. Like I said earlier, you're the manager, you're the CFO. You don't have to be what the CFO was when you were younger. You're now the CFO. Make it what you want it to be. There you go. Well, you may have just told us this, but the last question is always, what's the best piece of advice that you have ever received? That's a good one. I mean, I'm a big college football fan, sports fan. And so I, 47 brand, they make hats that I enjoy, fitted caps. And they are on their tag, and I actually kept it and I have it on my desk. It says, uh, let your you out. And I think that's so great. I don't know what it applies to sports apparel, but let your you out. I just think that that's super fantastic. It's so simple and take it for what it is for yourself, but let your you out. It's too lame to be like everyone else and to definitely get your work done and be good at your job, but you can do it in your own way. So let your you out, I think is really fantastic. And I, yeah, I keep it on my desk as a reminder. Definitely. Well, you're definitely living that out. So yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can see how that applies. Well, you well, know, I mean, we work too hard and we spend too many hours to be forgettable. So make an impact. That's right. That's right. Make a dent. Make a dent. Well, before we sign off, real quick again, give us your website. So after we close out the show, people know where to go. Yeah, absolutely. What's your com? All the links are there. You can get the book, you can listen to the podcast, you can check out Mark's episode talking about long distance running. And yeah, it's really cool. Every week interviewing professionals that are known for a hobby or a passion outside of work. And if that's you, reach out. I'd love to have you on the show. That'd be awesome. Good deal. Well, thanks again, John. It is an awesome book and I appreciate you coming on the show to talk about it. Well, thanks so much, Mark. I really appreciate it. Have a good one. Well, that was my interview or my re-interview with John Garrett. And like I mentioned, he's a really funny guy. I always enjoy my conversations with John and I hope you enjoyed this one as well. If you do get a chance, if it sounded even remotely interesting, please check out John's book on Amazon. You won't be disappointed. It's called What's Your And? And I know from our first interview that he put a lot of effort into this, and it really is an exceptionally well-written book. I don't recommend things lightly, and I really thoroughly enjoyed John's book. It's got a great message, and it's very well-written. I'm sure you'll get a lot of value out of it as well. And by the way, if you are so inclined to do that, please check out his podcast as well. He's got some great stories on there. And of course, his own website. You can find a lot of valuable material there as well. Well, with that, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up for this week. We'll be back next week with another interview with an interesting guest that started their career in accounting. So until then, we'll see you soon. There's more to come.